0: Welcome Bankless Nation to this very special Saturday morning edition of The Bankless Podcast. Every once in a while, me and my buddy Anthony Cisano from The Daily Guay, we just hop into a live stream, no agenda, and just chat about the current events there were a lot of the current events to talk about. I think you can know what we, uh, what we begin with. Uh, and so we just kind of recap the, the Terra ecosystem, uh, but we do change subjects eventually after about 30 minutes uh, and go into the merge. Uh, and if you have not watched the Hal Press interview that we did earlier this week, it was extremely bullish. So we talk a little bit about that. I give it a quick TLDR, although it is not to be missed. And then uh, Eric Connor uh, decides to hop into the stream. Uh, and so Eric Connor from Into the Ether, uh, longstanding Ethereum community members might recognize him, uh, comes and finishes off the last third of the show. Uh, really fun conversation, really enjoyed it. Tons of fun, tons of energy. I hope it is a nice thing to chill and relax to after kind of a down bad week, um, but uh, hopefully we can all shrug it off together. And so I hope you guys enjoy this fun, very fun conversation right after we get to some of these fantastic sponsors that make the show possible. If you're trying to grow and preserve your crypto wealth, optimizing your taxes is just as lucrative as trying to find the next hidden gem. Alto IRA can help you invest in crypto in tax advantage ways to help you preserve your hard-earned money. Just go to altoira.com slash bankless. That's A-L-T-O-I-R-A dot com slash bankless and start investing in crypto today. completely open source, decentralized and governed by its community, enabling a truly bankless future for us all. To get your first crypto collateralized loan, get started at ave.com. That's a a b e.com. And also check out the Ave protocol governance forums to see what more than 100,000 DAO members are all robbing about at governance.ave.com. side on the token distribution you can have your part of Across's story by joining the discord and becoming a co-founder and helping to design the fair fair launch of across if you want to bridge your assets quickly and securely go to across.to to bridge your assets between ethereum optimism arbitrum or boba networks hey anthony what's up <laughs>
1: hey man what's up <laughs>
0: oh you know survived another week how about you uh, yeah
1: yeah yeah survived another week uh i think my brain didn't survive the week though uh i don't know about you but i am feeling very uh mentally exhausted that's yeah. for sure uh
0: what's doing it to you most it's like twitter doom scrolling usually my doom well, scrolling i do on on instagram not on twitter
1: <laughs> really <laughs> instagram doom scrolling that's yeah, that, uh that's thing my instagram is just like uh random pictures of kind of like computers watches and cars <laughs> so it's not doom scrolling it's kind of like wealth scrolling maybe I guess. <laughs> no, <laughs> um no poor I, I, timing dude <laughs> yeah yeah I, that's really poor timing. no no i think um i i think what what did it to me most was just the speed at which it happened yeah. right we basically ran through like a crypto's 2008 moment in like three days it right. was just insane right and I think that's what fries my brain the most is when like, and that's it especially happened during like DeFi summer a lot when things would have just happened really, really quickly, right? You spend like all this mental energy trying to keep up and just catch up. And then you would just get like completely blown out by it. And then you do it all again the next day, mm-hmm. right? So yeah, mm-hmm. it's just the speed of it, I think for me.
0: Yeah, it's, it's a, it just reminds me of like the classic line when people are hung hang, uh, hungover and they're like I'm never drinking alcohol again and then a week later there's just like another farm to like ape into like that, <laughs> that's what what DeFi felt like. If we're if we're doing the whole like crypto is speed running the history of money and finance thing, we just like sped sped ran like a hyperinflation event. Right? We went through like mm-hmm. usually hyperinflation events take I mean they can take months, right? Uh, mm-hmm. but this one took like 36 hours. Uh, like we did just yeah. like Weimar Germany in like 36 hours.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah, exactly. And and I think that's what I think shocked a lot of people. It was like, yeah, a lot of people called um, this and kind of like uh, had been calling it for, for a long time, but I don't think anyone expected it to unwind as fast as it right. did. Like it literally went like, I mean, what the Luna token went down like 99% in 24 hours or something that was just Insanity, right? And it, it wasn't just like some small shit coin either. It was like, it was worth tens of billions of dollars. It was a top 10 coin. And then it just collapsed. And we, and everyone's just like trying to keep up with it. They're trying to keep up with kind of like, I think they're in disbelief because they're trying to actually process the fact that this is actually happening. Like this is actually happening. This is not a meme. Like this is not kind of some dream that everyone's having. It's an actual reality that we're all going to have to adjust to. And of course that bled into the wider markets. It wasn't just terror. Like everything came crashing down and then people were trying to short the other states. Coins, which was like peak stupidity i was like what the hell like <laughs> what is this so so yeah just absolute insanity man seriously i uh, I, I think that i'm still going to be processing this for a while i mean it was my craziest week in crypto i don't know about you but definitely um i haven't felt like that before in, in crypto
0: yeah I, I was thinking about that question is this a craziest week in crypto and it's it definitely is in a like catastrophic sense um i would say that like mm-hmm. crazy as in just like i'm having to process so much with still still DeFi summer but, uh, yeah, yeah. Bar, barring that, which is, like, a completely tangential thing, uh, yeah, I would say, like, this, this had, like, a, the most amount of just, like, news per hour of any single week. And, and uh, like, comparing it, comparing it to, like, last, last year's cycle, like, oddly, also in 2018, right? Like, 2018, the downside of the peak mania, uh, halfway through 2018-ish, is when BitConnect blew up. And, like, I think... Bitconnect was a top ten coin, like at one point mm-hmm. in time, it was. and, yeah, it, I think and so. it went yeah. to absolute zero at some point in time, uh, and it took it took basically like thirty six hours. But like the the reason why no one really cared about that was well, people cared, but we we all just expected it. Everyone was like, Bitconnect took way too long to implode. Uh, like it made people like question reality. Is like why hasn't this thing imploded yet? Uh, and then mm-hmm. one day there was some bad news, and three days later it went to zero. Uh, And so, Mm -hmm. like, the pattern fits, and it it was a top 10 coin, and then it just went to zero. Uh, And it was $3.8 billion market cap when it went to zero, which just, A, like, tells you how big the crypto market has gotten in the last cycle. Because if, like, Terra was also a top 10 coin, it went to zero, and it was something like over 40, it was like $42 billion at the time, Luna was, Uh, and -hmm. so like the scale of the thing is like proportional to the crypto markets as in like the crypto markets allowed BitConnect and Terra to get to the same size, uh, as a relation of the total crypto market. And then it also went to zero roughly around the same time of the peak, right? Like as the markets were fleeing, as like the game was up, as like the dance of chicken was like, all right, who's going to sell, who's going to sell. Uh, and then like, you know. Roughly halfway through 2018, BitConnect uh, crashed, and roughly halfway through 2022, uh, Terra crashed. I mean, those are the patterns Mm -hmm. I'm seeing.
1: Yeah, yeah, no, the the patterns are definitely very similar. I think... The main difference, as you mentioned, is like the scale of it. Like, obviously, Terra was much bigger, but I think it wasn't just like the Luna token. Terra was like a double whammy, right? Because like there was the Luna token, but there was also the stable coin that was attached to it, right? And then on top of that, there were all the people going through these kind of like neo banks, which are like front ends for, for Terra that had no idea what they were doing. They just saw this APY number like, oh, I can earn 20% on my dollars. I'm going to put it in here, right? Um, and then they didn't read the fine print because if you read the fine print, it says you can lose all your money, potentially because that's just you know classic legal speak no one ever expects that to actually happen but it happened this time and i think that that's what caught a lot of a lot of people and obviously a lot of people have lost a a shit ton of money i mean not just individuals um not just kind of like everyday people but massive funds and 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 kind of like uh, prop trading firms and market makers like uh, there i mean i think that like most people in crypto were hurt by this in one way or another um everyone was was hurt by it indirectly because the prices went down because of this i think um but yeah it was just uh, such a shock to the system, I think. But right. the thing is, is that just kind of looking for positives yeah. in this, I think ETH fared quite well, like in, in in it all. Um, I don't know. So far, at least, I think that um the Ethereum has gotten a lot of tailwinds from this. Uh, I think, like, uh, and 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 I think that, you know. The people that have kind of like been hurt, maybe they're not going to come back to crypto for a while, Um, especially the ones who were just like in it for for the yield. They weren't even hold, maybe holding Luna. They just had like the UST. And that's sad. It's kind of like set adoption back a, a kind, of, kind, of, kind of quite a while there. But it really does validate like the Ethereum thesis, I think, of building, you know, decentralized, secure, and sustainable kind of infrastructure rather than just doing it in a cowboy fashion. And I remember, I don't know if I've said it on Bankers before, but I've said it on my own show plenty of times where I say to people, you have to reframe the decentralization an argument as security so instead of asking yes. do you care about decentralization you ask do you care about security and now you ask any terror people about th- this question now they're going to say yes right but if you ask them if they cared about decentralization um before they may have just given you a non-answer or not really paid attention to it but you know no one cares about it until they need it and then when they need it they really really need it right so i think that's the main takeaway for me from all of this that's for sure
0: and this has been the drum that has been beat by, like, a number of, like, core crypto people for a very long time. Like, this was a conversation back in 2017, 2018, when it was EOS and the zero transaction fees of EOS versus, like, the, trend, the, the blockchain fee model of Ethereum, right? Like, we've, we've seen this rodeo before. I was actually talking to, there's a, also, like, this whole prioritization of scale over security, both works at the layer one la- layer and also the app layer two, Right, and so I was talking to uh, uh, our guy, our analyst at Bankless, Ben, uh, and talking about the patterns here, and I, and I said, like, die supply always lags die demand, which is like the it's, it's uh, there if there is demand of die, it'll prop up the value of the stablecoin, and then people will uh, mint more die, but with real collateral, uh, and so like die only scales out its supply of die if there is actual real bona fide demand of die, and like in the same thing with uh, like Ethereum. This block space demand for Ethereum lags behind demand, right? So when, there's, when transaction fees are high, it creates the need for layer twos, it creates the need for scale, but it doesn't, it doesn't answer scale first, right? And neither does DAI. DAI doesn't mint excess DAI and then give it to the market. Ethereum doesn't mint excess block space and give it to the market. These things lag demand because they prioritize security. Uh, but then on the flip side of things, the Terra UST supply—they just minted that thing like like fucking f- mint, mint 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 UST buy Bitcoin buy Bitcoin like short like, <laughs> and, but without creating any amount of demand. And this is what Solana is mm-hmm. doing when it's, it's minting infinite block space. It is just the money printer block space, and it causes the chain to go down over time. And so these like bull market chains, which is like the, my new word for monolithic blockchains, these bull market chains are just minting out supply selling their product for a discount, devaluing their product because that's the competitive advantage. They're like the off-brand blockchain. So they're devaluing their product and just like injecting it into the market say cheap, 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 buy it, buy it, buy it. Uh, But then Mm -hmm. when the bear market comes, like they have no real sustainability and they have like infinite supply. Uh, And so like it exists in the app layer, it exists at the core protocol level. And like in, in hindsight, it just makes total sense that things that devalue their product to go out to the market can't sustain themselves in a bear market.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah, well, exactly. And I think that's why like our, maybe our points fall on deaf ears a lot of the time during the bull markets is because this is this is stuff that it's not immediately apparent to most people, especially new people. They've got no idea for the context around this. They haven't been around, they haven't experienced, uh, you know, a bear market or anything like that. To them, it's kind of like all the coins are going up, you know, and, and if you say anything against that, you're just a dirty fudder, dirty ETH maxi. We don't want to listen to you sort of thing, right? Um, and that's what exactly what happened with you. I mean, you guys, uh, you and Ryan um, were some of the champions of calling out terror, right? Like the show that you did just a few weeks ago um, and everything like that. And you guys were killed, called out relentlessly for it, especially it by rough, himself, right? Like it, my, my emotions,
0: I felt that.
1: Yeah, yeah, exactly. And, and, you know, this is one of the reasons why I try not to get too involved with it as well is because I don't want to have to deal with, like, all that crap. Even though I know that, um, you know, I'm, I'm I'm right, I don't want to have to kind of, like, deal with the, the crap that gets swung at me. And, and, yeah, just seeing you guys go through that, I was like, holy shit, this is insane. And I think that's what a lot of people miss is that we're not, like, now that everything clubs, we're not dancing on the graves of people who lost money. We're dancing on the graves of Dokwon and his lunatic army who literally didn't listen to anyone you know, kept insulting everyone who ever brought up anything wrong with the system and acted like kings and gods and nothing could, you know, I think nothing bad could happen to them. Um, and, and and that's it. Like, yes, it may, be, it may be a little bit too much, but I think I think social signaling is very, very important here because that's the only accountability and recourse we really have in crypto is social signaling. Because there's no, I mean, the government might go after Doquan himself, but there's no government to bail out anything here. Like, they let, everyone let Luna go to zero and UST basically go to zero because there's no bailout. Like, who's going to bail them out? The only bailout comes from the private enterprise. And eventually, the private enterprise was like, no, 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 man, this is too toxic. We're not going to touch this, right? It doesn't matter if, if if it was, quote, unquote, too big to fail or something. There's none of that in crypto. Things will, will fail, and they'll fail very, very quickly. And I think to prevent this sort of stuff from happening in the future, you really have to social signal. You really have to get everyone on board with this. So next time there's a Algo stablecoin that comes out, you have everyone calling it out, right? Like there was people calling Terra out, but it wasn't the majority. And a lot of people were scared to call it out because they had this massive army that right. would swarm you as soon right. as you did. So we need to break past that. Like if we let that dominate the industry, then this stuff's just gonna keep playing out again and again. And as a lot of people have already mentioned, it's going to bring with it a lot of bad regulation, right? That's it's, And it's going to uh, set crypto adoption back years. So, I mean, c- again, kudos to you guys for calling it out for so long and, and and kind of like putting up with all that crap because that's not something that I really, really uh, can do. Like, I really hate, I, I try to avoid conflict most of the time um, with these, especially with these armies, man. They just come from nowhere. I don't even know. I don't think a lot of them are real people. They have to be bots, right? Like, it's some, just insane. Some supply,
0: <laughs> yeah. And the bots have to like find real people to convince themselves to, like, mix themselves in with the real people. So the bots can be like, or the, the bots, not the, necessarily the bots, but just like the civil attackers, right? Just like one mm-hmm. guy with like mm-hmm. 10, 15, 100 accounts or something like that, which you would consider bots. Um, like, uh, well, I think there's two things I, I want to say to that. Like there also, there were a lot of like VCs that were very much a part of this whole thing. And like uh, at the same, at some t- point, there's like so many people ended up supporting this ecosystem that you just have to say that they were duped. Like, it's, like, some people mm-hmm. just, like, took the Kool-Aid. So, like, Algo stable coins, they work this time. Uh, like, it's, it's this time it's different. Like, we're, mm-hmm, that fund's mm-hmm. in it and this fund's in it. So, like, I'll be in it, too. Like, we're all promoting its legitimacy. Even though, like, at the base layer, like, there's, like, a bunch of, like, hot air here. Uh, and, and. Like I, had a, I did a podcast with a VC who talked and I asked about like, okay, what are the fundamentals of VCs like as a concept? It's like, why are there VCs? And one of, one of his answers was that like, well, VCs provide legitimacy, right? Uh, and so like when you, when you onboard with a VC, when you take money from a VC rather than a bunch of angels, that VC has network connections, that VC can do mm-hmm. things for you. Like the best VCs create the best premium because they have the best returns. And so the competition is based on what VCs can provide the most value to blah, 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 blah. Uh, And so like Mm -hmm. if we're talking about like the fallout collateral damage of these things, like the market needs to uh, reassess the value of various VCs in this industry because some VCs were on one side of this trade in this industry and the other VCs were not, right? Uh, Like Fred Arisim from Paradigm tweeted out the – the guy from the the 2008 crisis movie the big short mm-hmm. who's like the uh, i can't remember his name the guy that also was in the GameStop.
1: but michael Berry, i think michael Berry, yeah is the right by, so like play by christian bale in that movie yeah. exactly
0: yeah i like who knows if they like were actually short or are they just tweeting out a meme i don't know but it kind of implies that they were taking the other side of this trade as in shorting luna uh, and there were some vcs that were very much in promotion of it to the point of chilling it right like has some of these mm-hmm. vcs do uh, and so, like, we need to, like, reassess which VCs were on, like, the right side of history, and, and, and especially uh, Tarun Chitra, uh, which is actually where I was going with this next, uh, uh, from, he had, was on um, the uh, uh, Laura Shin's, like, um, uh, all-in-styled podcast, and he talked about how people that make algo-stable coins just inherently must have this god complex and they don't look at history and they just ignore mm-hmm. history. And they're like, I've just created alchemy. Like I am the stable coin God. I can mint coins mm-hmm. out of thin air. Like look at this magic. I'm like a billionaire. I will bet on like the future price of my token in a $20 million bet that I make on Twitter because I'm a fucking mm-hmm. Chad. And if anyone denies me and if anyone doubts me, like I'll just like throw my stable coins at you. Uh, and like, this is Doquan, man. And like he, he the, mm-hmm. the, I'll go stable coins. And I'm getting, I'm learning, about this too in like the last week so it's not like I knew this ahead of time but like the whole Algo stablecoin thing is the same thing as like the Zimbabwe dollar it's the same thing as Weimar Germany it's just a straight up hyperinflation event sped up in real time and Do Kwon should have known this because he did basis cash on the app layer but then (laughs) like because it was on the app layer it failed and so he had to go make an a separate L1 so it couldn't be economically attacked by flash loans or all that other shit or whatever Uh, and then he Mm -hmm. just starts playing God Right? Uh, and so, like, there's so much like hubris and status and legitimacy that's involved in these things that are inherently faith-based at the end of the day, anyways. And rant,
1: and rant. No, no. I, I mean, I, I think, I think from all of that, the main takeaway for people should be that just because someone is a VC or is a fund or works at a fund or whatever and has money doesn't make them more intelligent than you, right? There is no, there is not much correlation between money and intelligence. From that's that's one thing I've learned definitely being in crypto over the last few years there are billionaires who are really dumb. Like, and that might might seem counterintuitive. You might think just yourself, how can a billionaire be dumb? Well, put it this way, guys. Crypto has created so much wealth in such a short period of time. There are people that could have become billionaires by literally just throwing, you know, maybe uh, six figures into ETH at the ICO, for example, right? There's also or a difference between other-
0: like, uh, like intelligence and ability to make money at the same time.
1: Yeah, 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 ex- exactly. So I think... Um, you know, that, that should be like one of the main, main takeaways from this. And also these things can, can go on longer than you than you think they can. I mean, you know, the, I think the reason why uh, that picture was shared of Michael Burry on, on Twitter well, one of the reasons, I don't know if that was short or not, was that in the movie, it shows how Michael Berry was betting against the housing market really early on and the housing market kept going crazy, right? And, and he was betting against it for such a long time and everyone was calling him out. They were saying, man, it's still growing. Like, what are you talking about? This is crazy. Like, this is a crazy trade. You're pissing away our money. Uh, and then the same thing happened here where people were calling this out for a very long time and then it kept growing and growing and growing. And everyone was like, oh, okay. Well, it's gone to such a big size now. It's too big to fail, right? Like, it's, it's not going to fail. It's all well and good. Um, and then people were waiting. They were like, no, it's going to fail. Like, we're going to get our Jews eventually. Like, it's it's basically mathematically programmed to fail, which it was. Um, and it did. It, it failed exactly how the bears said it would. It didn't even deviate from that because it, it was programmed. Like, all you needed to do was read the white paper to see exactly how this worked. And uh, it did that. And, and the funny thing is, though, is that the Terraform Labs, uh, the main team behind Terra, could have wound this down a lot, uh, kind of like um, a lot more gracefully than what happened. Right? They did nothing. They actually let it go to zero. They could have paused the chain. They could have paused minting. They could have done all this other stuff, right? And they, they didn't did none have any of it.
0: contingency they... plan. They had no so idea they did this it. could happen. <laughs>
1: That's what I'm saying. Like, so that that's 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 kind of like we were talking about with, with Do Kwan and kind of like him feeling like a god and him feeling like nothing could go wrong. And he was like, you know, had all this alchemy, he could just print money out of thin air. They had no plan for when everything went to shit, inevitably. And because of that, everything went to shit. Like it went to it actually went to zero. Like Queen Gecko did one a minus one hundred percent on um on on Luna because it rounded it to the nearest zero, which which was zero. Um I, I was like, what the hell? This is crazy. Um, but yeah, no, I, I think that it's right. Right. And, and the thing is, is that you talk about kind of like people not learning from history. Um, yeah, I mean, the algo stablecoins within the crypto context actually went back really far. I think as far back as 2014 right. or, or even earlier than that, right? Yeah, yeah before Ethereum is, was a thing. Yeah, exactly. So this is this is definitely not new. But the thing is, is that these things are very easy to grow in a bull market whenever, when everyone's throwing money at you. They're very reflexive on the upside as well as to the downside, and uh, you can easily kind of like pump your token like this, right? And and make it work for a little bit. So I think because of those facts, this isn't going to be the last of them that we see. They're going to take other forms. People are going to be like, oh, it's not like the other algo stable coins. This one's <laughs> actually going to work, right? <laughs> and, it's not, and we're just going to see this play out again. But that's why I said the social, social signaling is so powerful because you keep signaling that these things, you know, they can't work. They're, they're just kind of like fundamentally broken. More Now more people will believe you when you say that because it's not just crying wolf anymore. The wolf came to fucking eat the chickens, right? And it ate a lot of chickens. Right.
0: <laughs> I don't know. There, there's like the, the optimistic, cautiously optimistic take that like, okay, when the $50 billion algo stablecoin ecosystem goes to zero, then we learn our lesson. Like, we won't learn it at $10 billion. We won't learn it at $20 billion. But okay, at $50 billion, we'll learn the lesson. How do you feel about that?
1: Have, have we learned the lesson? Because there's going to be new people coming in who haven't learned this lesson at all next <laughs> cycle, I, right? I, I did
0: say that like, okay, the last bull market, we did have like a top 10 coin do the same thing. Uh, it was an actual yeah. Ponzi yeah that is one so, of the differences um, about this whole ponzi collapse is that like this one was pumped by a lot of just like ecosystem people i mean as you and i pump eth but like at least ETH doesn't blow up though like, like yeah we, we yeah pump yeah, the yeah. Thing that stays around
1: <laughs> but i mean also like ETHs can't just go to zero like that at all right. i mean eth has fallen a lot in the past but it, it can't do that unless right. it was like I, I mean, I, I don't even know the scenario where ETH would go to zero. If unless there was like an infinite mint bug, but then it would just get reversed. But we and would fix be, it, you know. Right? Whatever. And like that's what you were yeah, saying exactly. about like the,
0: the Terra ecosystem could have mitigated this. And like, yeah, if even in worst case Ethereum scenarios, like we can still mitigate that.
1: Yeah, exactly. And and the funny thing is, is that. You're right. They would have had no plan at all. Like they should have had a worst-case scenario plan. Like, hey guys, like what happens when it goes into a death spiral? But I, I, I truly believe that Do Kwon and probably his closest kind of like people within the company didn't believe that it could death spiral. They actually believed that they had created something that was basically a, a perpetual motion machine, an infinite money printer, mm-hmm. and uh, that obviously wasn't the case. And I think his ego um, is infinite. Like I actually don't think he's learned his lesson. I've been seeing his tweets. He's not remorseful. It seems like he just wants to try and get it back up and running and kind of like, you know, restore his God status. Um, yeah, and do it again, right? But it's not going to happen. It's, it's the same with every other one that we've seen. Like Daniel Sesta, right? You guys called that out as well. The Frog Nation crap. Like, same thing happened there. Um, a bunch of others. Um, Andre Cronje is a bit of a different scenario, but he eventually got to that status. Like, um, you know, but but he yeah, is a bit of a different adjacent. scenario. Yeah, it was, it was definitely adjacent. But there's so many of these things, right? And, and I think that people just need to stop creating cults <laughs> like let's, let's stop creating cults of personality around these people guys like it's just it's not healthy it doesn't lead us anywhere good um right. but yeah man like i don't know craziest kind of like week in in crypto for me just because of the speed and and you know just the, the mental kind of like uh mind fuck of it all was just insane and i think the legitimacy thing is the last thing i wanted to talk about um you're right in that like I think what ended up happening was that because it kept growing and because it didn't fail like its detractors said it would for such a long period of time, at least in crypto, you know, a year is like an eternity, right? Um, and 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 then all these kind of like VCs and funds and legitimate people piled on because I think it was partly due that they didn't want to miss the train, but they also didn't want to get kind of like attacked, right? For going against the grain. Because they're like, oh, you know, I can't, I, as, as we are discussing, it's really hard to put up with this sort of stuff. Like it's actually, it makes you feel really bad. You feel it when you're getting attacked by this mob. So I think a lot of them either defaulted to just being neutral and not really saying anything about it, or going in on it and being like, I can join this train too. I can make money. I can, you know, have everyone loving me because of it and the people that did that they've yeah they they they're like massive kind of like uh taken massive reputational hits here and uh i don't know like i think they're going to be the most affected by it in the long term because the people in this industry know those people and they remember things they keep the receipts right and they definitely don't let this slide but on the retail side of things yeah i mean <laughs> I don't expect the, the 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 retail investors to to learn too much about <laughs> about this sort of stuff
0: yeah, you did mention about how this was going to set us back and like hinted at regulation. So I want to I talk about that next. But before you do, guys, every now and then, I pull my friend Anthony here into a live stream. <laughs> every Friday, <laughs> sometimes Thursdays. So it used to be consistent, but that was during COVID. And uh, since non-COVID, it's been a little bit harder. But every now and then we do this. I'd say about once a month, maybe once every six weeks. Uh, I don't know if you guys w- are living under a rock, it? but if you uh, are living under a rock, you can follow Anthony at his Daily Grey YouTube channel, which I just posted in the chat there. He does these YouTube Thank videos. You. Uh, a ridiculous amount of days almost every single every single day uh, except for every sunday? single
1: weekday every single weekday yeah, no, no, yeah, not saturday and sunday yeah just yeah. weekdays
0: i ask you that every single time because i always forget um but like i there's one of the few podcasts that i listen to every single day uh and his youtube channels right there he also does a daily great newsletter which he puts out also every freaking day uh so he's one of these guys that produces a lot of content like bankless which you can also go ahead and subscribe to uh, okay. Hey, I've gotten better at this by the way, <laughs> the,
1: shil- the, shil- the shilling, is done. <laughs> uh,
0: okay. So how far is this going to set back our industry and regulation? I think those are the, perhaps the topics next, uh, people I've heard this line that like, okay, it set back the crypto industry, like one to two years. Uh, and like, and I think my gut take was like, Ooh, wow. Really? That seems like a long amount of time. Um, hmm. and so for, first question there, also I'm kind of down for that. Like, I'm kind of down for a slow bear market. (laughs) Like, how, how do you feel about these things?
1: look, the timeline on it is basically impossible to say. Like anyone giving timelines on this sort of stuff is just guessing, pure guessing. There is no rhyme or reason to any timelines you could give, right? Because for example, we could go to all-time highs again and the adoption would pick up like exponentially again, right? Because I think the main thing that drives adoption in crypto is prices going up. Like we have enough evidence to support that. So I don't think you can actually put a timeline on how long this is kind of like, quote unquote, set adoption back or anything like that. What I think um, is is true here is that it has set adoption back in the sense that it's going to suppress the prices for a while it's going to put us into this deep bear market and it's going to bring with it more regulation and increased scrutiny scrutiny which is going to make teams probably ship slower because of the fact that they're going to be more scared to ship certain things due to regulations due to um kind of like law enforcement and things like that Uh, and we're probably going to get less innovation out of that too because everyone's going to be scared of it does this look like a ponzi or does this look like you know terror can i get in trouble for this and this is probably most true for the docs teams maybe the anon teams keep kind doing what they're doing um and i think that uh, people are going to be cautious about jumping into these things for a while as well because they might be like you know is this going to blow up like terror again like i don't want to put money into this i don't want to lose my money i don't want what happened to, to terror folks to happen to me so th- those are kind of like the effects that i see happening but timelines i don't know it's impossible man like I, I don't think anyone can give a timeline on this sort of stuff
0: yeah uh but how do you feel about that being a good thing or a neutral thing or bad thing like, I, I think the gut uh, take yeah, is like, I oh, mean- it's a bad thing because we want crypto to take over the world. But taking the perspective of, like, a first cycler, especially perhaps a first cycler that just got hurt, right? Like, maybe they were in Bitcoin and ETH and they only have seen a 65% drawdown instead of uh, being in Terra or or being a 100% drawdown or in an alt layer 1 and being at 85%. Like, for the first cycler out there who's, like, looking at crypto prices being like, F, uh, I'm pro good thing for that part of the population
1: yeah i mean i mean most first cyclers are already gone i think like they leave right i mean in terms of kind of like if they're they're here for like a first cycle and they just kind of like speculate and they lose money and they leave, right? But if we're talking about like first cyclists who actually stick around and wait for the next cycle to come around, um, I think they're like from from my experience talking to some of them, they're actually very excited, right? They're very excited because they're going to be able to buy things at a cheaper price, of course. They're going to be able to scoop up some value kind of like uh, out there, right? And they also, I think, have the same belief that I have in that this industry isn't ready for mainstream adoption, dude. Like nowhere close, right? I'm sorry, but like there are so many issues with what we're building still. The scale <laughs> issues is, is, is a major one. UI, UX. Like, I'm sorry, but like how are we ready for mass adoption? I mean, you know, Paulina actually goes on about this a lot and, he's, he, and they're pretty, um, pretty steadfast about this, but they say they're still very disappointed in this industry because we've built so many Ponzi's and so many money games and things like that, but we're not actually building anything that's mass adoptable because- we're still waiting for scale, right? And that's that's here and coming and improving over time. We're still building out the core infrastructure, still upgrading things, blah blah blah, still getting Ethereum through the merge and things like that. But like even on the UI UX side of things, like it's still very hard. And and the funny thing is that where we were making progress on this with the Neo banks, a lot of them just went to Anchor um, because that was the top yield, and they've wrecked their users, right? So like. It was getting better, and now we've kind of like been set back by that a little bit. And re- regulators are definitely coming for those neobanks. They're they're fucked. Like honestly, like this is anything that 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 kind of like does that and sits as a front end on top of things. It doesn't actually make the risks like readily available to users. Is fucked. Like in my eyes.
0: Yeah. And, and they should be regulated, right? Like, like it, 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 they're a centralized entity. If you can be regulated, you should be regulated. If you can't be regulated, then you shouldn't be regulated. And this is a very fair yep. take because a ton of like, lay, like you said, layers around uh, anchor, just like F's a lot of people who put in deposits thinking, wow, like 20% savings account. Amazing. Take all my money. Mm-hmm. Uh, mm-hmm. And, mm-hmm. and like, you know, like some people are get, A lot of people are going to get sucked in by that. Um, Where was I going to go with this? Uh, Going back to, like, the whole first cycle or, like, prices thing, like, the ones that stick around, there's this very savage quote out of the Bitcoiner camp that I, like, uh, what's the word, Lee love, uh, which is um, uh, people buy Bitcoin at the price they deserve it, which you can extrapolate that to Ether, right? But, like, uh, Mm -hmm. it's basically a timing in the market as in just, like, people who got in early deserved it because they saw the vision early. But also if we're going down into a bear market and uh, people are like, you know, losing their wealth because it's their first first cycle and they're getting hurt, but they stick around, like they're going to buy Ether, Bitcoin, their preferred asset at the price that they deserve it, right? Uh, and mm-hmm. so uh, it's great to hear that like people are coming into this bear market like excited, uh, especially when there's like, so, like I, I think we're in the golden age of building right now. Uh, the the layer two summer which is uh, not at, at the sound of things going to be like a price summer, but it's going to be a building summer, is perfect. If we have the golden age of building on layer twos, which is literally surface area for further, like surface area for high growth DeFi apps with tokens and user acquisition onboarding uh, capacities because of low fees. Uh, if that golden age of building happens during a bear market, it means the people that stick around and believe just have this opportunity for I don't know how many years are people saying this Terra thing is going to set us back one to two years. Uh, And so we're going to have Mm -hmm. like the golden age of Ethereum building because people can't, fucking like differentiate ethereum from the rest of DeFi, uh and so like the people who have that information asymmetry about the secure sustainable layer two app layer building which also has bridges in between those things so there's surface area there to build stuff as well uh like there's gonna be so much opportunity wow people just forget about the crypto industry once again as they do every four years
1: Yeah. Yeah. And and I think the reason why uh, at least the first cycles that I talk to are so excited is because like, I've given like my personal story many times in my community on on my show about how like I stuck around I doubled down during the bear market and like not just myself but like so many of the people that you see that is that are really successful today did the same thing and I, I give like the reasons why it's like really good to do that and why it kind of like it, it can work out for you it's not guaranteed to but like it can work out for you and why you should stick around and I think that's why they're, they're just so excited right like some of them obviously are going to be underwater on their ETH buys already because maybe they got in later and they brought it like three, four (laughs) K. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. And I explained that to them. I'm like, and I put a percentage number on it because I say to them like, Hey, you know, if you bought it at 4K right now, um, and and, it, and uh, sorry, 4K back a few months ago, and the price is 2K now, you're down 50%, of course, right? And I say to them, I did the same thing in October, uh, 2018, where I bought ETH at $220, thinking it was the bottom, and then ETH went to $80. So I was down more than 50%. And right. the thing is, people don't realize the intuitiveness of kind of like the numbers and the percentages. Like, just because the numbers are much smaller, doesn't mean the percentages were different. Like, right. <laughs> it's the same thing. <laughs> it's, it's the same amount of money lost. <laughs> So, so kind of like from that perspective, I think that's what my, uh, my viewers and my listeners, people kind of like who are in my community, uh, are really, um, are really paying attention to that sort of stuff. So that's why they're excited about it. But I think there's not many of those people. Like, the majority do not stick around for the bear market. They leave and they come back and they regret it. They're like, oh, my God, why did I leave, right? So I think there's a lot of that going on, uh, definitely. And uh, no, I, I, I think that's exciting for those people. I, I, You know, I hope they do stick around. Like, they, they get jobs, too. Like, a lot of them are getting jobs within crypto, which is something that a lot of us couldn't do back in the day because there wasn't that many jobs to go yeah, around. I mean, but now yeah. there's heaps, Right. Yeah. So, um, you know, I think it's exciting. Oh, my camera's gone out of focus. Oh, we got, we're we back. We're Hold back. On. Yeah.
0: Yeah. yeah. No, yeah. The, the differences between these bear markets, I think, are, are very, very stark. Uh, so much more surface area to build stuff. Like going back to the 2017, 2018 bear market as when I started this, when I decided that, like, I'm going to be in this crypto thing. Like, I can't remember why I was bullish about Ethereum. Like there was nothing in 2018 that was like wild, worthwhile to stick around for. Like DeFi wasn't a thing, NFTs weren't a thing, uh, and and like why the hell did I stick around? I don't really know. But that lends itself to like uh, people. Uh, those people buy. Crypto, the price of their choice, people buy Ether at the price that they deserve it, right? Like, they're the people mm. that stuck around, saw saw the potential. Uh, and so, like, Ether is a little bit higher now. But, like, the amount of surface area and jobs and and uh, just cash that is in this e- ecosystem right now because there have been a ton of money being raised. So, like, there's going to be a lot more jobs and a lot more room for jobs uh, for people to come into this market and stick around and then actually just buy the dip for two years straight. Hopefully not that long. Yeah.
1: Yeah, yeah. No, I think in 2018, there was a spark, basically, like a small little kind of like spark that we all kind of potentially saw. But like, there's something here. We don't know exactly what it is, but there's, there's definitely something here. Um, and I now, I think, in 2022, there's a raging wildfire. There's no spark. It's kind of like, we know what's here. We know what we're going to build. We know what works. We know everything that's coming. Uh, well, not everything, but we know, like, you know, what we're building, what we're doing. Um, and I think that's, the, the like, a key difference. But, yeah, also the fact that it's just much easier to get a job now. So, more people are going to stick around for that. Like, 2018 was basically impossible to get a job in crypto. It was like, so it was, hard, dude. I had was th- so I, had, bad. I was lucky
0: enough to get three jobs in crypto, and two of them blew up after, like, six months. Yeah,
1: exactly. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. So yeah, exactly. Okay, there was getting a job, and then there was getting a sustainable job, right? Mm-hmm. One that didn't wasn't gonna run out of money or blow up or anything like that. I mean, I got my job in mid twenty nineteen with with kind of like set, um, and they hadn't raised, I think, since their first raise or whatever, and they they kind of like needed to raise, but the market was like super quiet, and then you know, all that the rest is history from there. But yeah, joining a crypto startup back then was much riskier than it is today. Like today they have so much money, <laughs> like right. it's just stupid amounts of money, right? And real
0: products <laughs> and real customers, like this, these are the differences yeah. here
1: yes exactly exactly so i think um you know the the, the first cyclists this time around are going to have a way easier time than 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 we had but that's good i like that yes. i i don't this is, is a ex- yeah i don't want to experience 2018 2019 again like it it, it wasn't a fun time that's for right. sure right 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 um
0: mm. oh did you okay changing subjects here unless you have anything else you want to touch on um did you watch the uh the hal press uh super bullish ether video that we did on bankless
1: i am like. I'm like halfway through it. Yeah. Um, I've heard really good things about that from my community as well. They've watched it too. But yeah, I mean, if you want to TLDR for people, I yeah, guess.
0: Yeah. I think the, the, the quickest thing I'll TLDR is that he just he just makes the illustration that the it, it, Ethereum is at this particular equilibrium right now because of minor cell pressure, like all proof of work blockchains are. Uh, and because like every single day, the equilibrium of the ETH price has been like set towards a particular amount million of million dollars of sell pressure every single day to, to secure the blockchain. Uh, and as soon as we go and, and do the merge, it flips on its head where it goes, I can't remember the numbers. I think it was something like $15 million a day, which is like not small. $15 million mm. a day mm-hmm. of sell pressure every single day uh, is like, you know, you, you got to tally some numbers up over the time. Uh, And then Mm -hmm. when the merge happens, it flips. So it goes from $15 million of sell pressure to $15 million of buy pressure. And so over Mm -hmm. the last, how many years of Ethereum? Seven years of Ethereum's lifespan. Like it's just come to this equilibrium of just figuring out how to live inside of a market that has $15 million a day of sell pressure. And then all of a sudden it flips and goes to to buy pressure, just like the snap of the fingers, right? And so like, and so one of my questions for him was like, okay, how many, how long will that flip turn to like, uh, it manifests in the actual price of the thing and Like his answer was basically like Pretty fucking fast uh, And so this mm-hmm. guy has uh, uh, calls out For $8,000 ether In December bro This December <laughs> Yeah. I mean, he that, that, that's not his only position But that's like his most bullish yeah, yeah, yeah. position But like nuts dude
1: yeah. I mean, I'm, I'm, yeah, obviously super bullish on eighth, but 8,000 by des- December seems, I mean, it's a good bet. Like if it happens because like, he's probably going to make a lot of money on that. Um, if, it, if it does materialize, but, uh, yeah, I mean the speed at which things happen is kind of hard to tell as well. I think in this industry because it's like suddenly, uh sorry, slowly then all at once is kind of like the motto, right, for a lot of these things. But I think the main takeaway I've had, as I said, I've only listened to half of it, half of it. But the main takeaway I got from what he was talking about was that he looks at these things as, as like just businesses, right, like cash flow businesses with expenses, all that sort of stuff. And he kind of like articulates the point quite well in that these other blockchains, even if they're proof of stake, they're leaking so much value because they're paying validators to inflation, but not off setting that with a fee burn that can actually offset that. Yes, they have, may have a fee burn implemented, but they're not burning enough to, to kind of like be sustainable, right? Um, whereas Ethereum is. Ethereum is net deflationary literally every single block once the merge goes through. And we've been net deflationary on proof of work days, which is just like insane, right? Um, and yeah, that minor cell pressure gone. Uh, there, there's no withdrawals after directly after the merge for like at least six months, Which is right? a gimmick,
0: but like for six months, it matters. <laughs>
1: I mean, I think I think it's a narrative, right? It's it's a narrative that'll push mm. the price higher, in my mind. Um, but 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 definitely, uh, I, I I think that he articulated all that quite well. And I mean, him betting his whole fund on ETH, right? That's what he's doing. Yeah, he's betting his entire fund on ETH. ETH, like ETH he's ETH my type of person.
0: <laughs> like, and he I, watches I, I, the all core devs call, bro. He actually, yeah, like, yeah. which is actually crazy to think about, as in like the Ethereum ecosystem builds in the open, right? Like it builds transparently, mm-hmm. it builds inside out. And so there's like this one guy who has like, a, I don't know, 30, $50 million fund. I don't know the numbers, uh, but mm-hmm. he was like, yeah, no one else is doing this, uh, but I'm going to listen to Elcore yeah. devs call and just like expose myself more and more and more to, to, as the merge comes. Uh, and so like yeah. he, he's, we asked him, it's like, yeah, is anyone else doing this? He goes like, no one else is doing this. I don't, I don't know why. Right? it's like it's like some people in uh tune into the investor calls, some people turn into mm-hmm. tune into the federal reserve notes, and other people tune into like how much progress the ethereum client teams have made on the merge and that's this guy mm-hmm. and like he's aping the entire fund into the merge uh, and his his prediction is that like and this is a guy who's like he's got skin in the game right, and so like He's not you and me who are like oh, you're pre- you're pretty balanced about this. Uh, sometimes I get a little bit over my ski tips, and I'm like, guys, merch coming soon, merch coming soon. But I'm inside of the Ethereum ecosystem, and he is outside of the Ethereum ecosystem with the fund on the line, like neutral, unbiased third party. And he's like, August, I think it's August. Yeah, yeah, which is, yeah. Nuts, yeah. which is nuts.
1: Yeah, 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 exactly. And the thing is, uh, that matches exactly with my expectations that I've had for for a while now, um, which is which is cool to just see that kind of like validated there. But I think. Yeah, there's kind of like listening to the call itself, and then reading like the headlines. Like for example, yesterday I put out a tweet announcing that Robston was going to be kind of like the run through the test net merge. Sorry, the the merge on June eighth or approximately June eighth. Right, that's the headline. That's like a, a, a tiny bit of that. You know whole core devs call and you can get so much alpha by just listening to the call itself right and kind of like getting all the nitty-gritty details not just around the merge but around kind of like everything else and i think that's you know what he's trying to do which is which is awesome like you know what the funny thing is i don't even listen to the calls because a lot of the time that happen when i'm sleeping but i do i do read the notes and keep i keep on top of it but yeah there's even more alpha to be had by just sitting there listening to the calls and like embracing kind of like the whole the whole thing the whole ethereum thing so yeah, I mean, I, I, I think he's, uh, he's gonna, he's gonna have a very good time over the coming years with that bet. Uh, yeah. Definitely, I mean, obviously, I'm biased, but I think he's, uh, he's, he's making a, an amazing bet there, and, and I'm, I'm glad to say that because it sends a signal to, to the kind of the ecosystem, to other money managers that hey, you know. You don't have to bet your whole fund here, but there is there is something here, definitely. And he, and he articulates it in such a way that maybe you and I don't um, from right. like a traditional finance perspective, which is what we need because right. it's all well and good for me to give the bull thesis for ETH, but I give it as, a, as an Ethereum. I give the kind of like in the weeds stuff. The I don't it. articulate yeah. it. Exactly, I don't. I don't give the analogies that, that that he was giving. So I think that is extremely important because most people are not crypto natives. Uh, most of the money in the world is 99 percent of it is not in crypto, right? So to get it into crypto, we need people to articulate it in such a way that uh, normies can understand, right? And people normies in the crypto context can understand. And I think that's exactly what he's doing. So yeah, I mean, I, I'm I'm keen to finish the the rest of it, but a lot of alpha in that you know no, that show just in it of itself.
0: Yeah, it was definitely our first episode with him and it was our first time like engaging with this guy. So like the episode, we it was like a very long episode for for what we did. It was like an hour, one and three quarters hours, but we're definitely gonna have him back on as we get better at talking to this guy and communicating with him and seeing how he perceives things. Uh, Cause like th- mm-hmm. there's value in the crypto native pitch because I mean, I'm all for tearing down old standards of doing things and like replacing TradFi with BetterFi, but also at the same time, the fact that we can, retrofit ether fundamentals onto tried and true fundamentals of the old world. And it's not like they just like, it's not like their thing is just made up. Like those are real metrics with real analysis and real fundamentals that a lot, the the majority of wealth in this world understands. And the fact that we can Mm -hmm. retrofit ether into those models and it comes out With an output that makes a ton of sense, and not only makes a ton of sense, but it's really effing bullish, uh, then all of a sudden, like the old money can couple to the new money via this common understanding, right? Like one of my favorite lines is that the the most bullish thing for ether is to be understood, right? And we can Mm -hmm. take ether metrics and plug them into old algorithms to spit out a very bullish answer that is interpretable by trillions of dollars. Right, like mm-hmm. that's as that's as collapsed as I can get the whole the whole thesis.
1: Yeah, yeah, and I think on that understood notion, so the the bet on ether, I think, or the bet on on like just assets in general, like investing in general, is that. There is information asymmetry there is kind of like an understanding or an information arbitrage to be had here where you have access to this information before the majority of people and uh you know you are making the bet that that information is going to continue being dispersed it's going to continue kind of like flowing into the rest of the world the rest of the money and that money is going to eventually understand and kind of like come into ETH, and that's how obviously the price appreciates over time over the long term at least so that's kind of like the bet. And I I think that it's a really good bet because over time, ETH and Ethereum have become more understood, right? It was it went from basically not being understood at all in in you know 2018, 2019 to being the you know, people you know, even even like the most kind of like ardent, like not anti-ETH people, but the people that wouldn't really support Ethereum or ETH are now collapsing in and sound saying I was wrong, ETH actually has kind of like value, all this sort of stuff, right? So I think that's the most bullish thing, I, I think, for me. Um, but, uh, but yeah, I mean, we could talk about being bullish on it all day, of
0: course. Oh, and, <laughs> and I think we shall, right?
1: <laughs> Are, we? Are we? Are we got a surprise guest?
0: Uh, yeah, he's not coming in yet. Uh, I, I kind of jumped the gun on that, but he should be here in, in, in a couple moments. Um, okay. Yeah, we'll, we'll leave the guest hanging with, with who's coming in here, but he, he can only say for a few minutes, but not, so can we. MakerDAO is the OG DeFi protocol. The MakerDAO produces DAI, the industry's most battle-tested and resilient stablecoin. Using Maker, you don't need to sell your collateral if you need liquidity. Instead, you can spin up a Maker vault and use your collateral to mint DAI directly. With Maker, the power to mint new money is in your hands. The Maker protocol is extremely hardened and operated by one of the most experienced DAOs in existence. They've been here since the beginning, they've seen it all, and so you can mint DAI with the assurance that your collateral is safe. Soon, Maker will be present on all chains and L2s, so minting DAI can take place on Oasis.app, Zerion, Zapper, or any other DeFi protocol that you use. Follow Maker on Twitter, at MakerDAO, and learn from the oldest and most resilient DAO in existence. The Brave browser is the user-first browser for the Web3 internet, with over 50 million monthly active users. Control your digital footprint with built-in privacy and ad blocking. Inside the Brave browser, you'll find the Brave Wallet, the first secure crypto wallet built natively inside of a Web3 crypto browser. Web3 is freedom from big tech and Wall Street, more control and better privacy. But there's a weak point in Web3, your crypto wallet. The Brave Wallet is different. Brave Wallet is built natively inside the Brave browser, no extension required, which gives the Brave Wallet an extra level of security versus other wallets. With the Brave Wallet, you can buy, store, send and swap your crypto assets, and you can even manage your NFTs and connect to other wallets and DeFi apps, all from the security of the best privacy browser on the market. Whether you're new to crypto or a seasoned pro, it's time to switch to the Brave Wallet. Download Brave at brave.com slash bankless and click the wallet icon to get started. What's up, guys? Uh, Anthony and I do this every now and then. Uh, If you're new to Bankless, which is crazy, you should definitely subscribe, but you should also subscribe to the (laughs) link that I put in the uh, top chat, which is Anthony's Daily Guay YouTube channel, which he puts out daily videos about the Ethereum ecosystem uh, and... you know keeps us up to speed and also critiques the things that should be critiqued every now and then and so uh yeah you should uh, subscribe to his channel there um let's see where do we want where do we want to go from here
1: on, i mean mind? so many what's well, on my mind actually um Right now, uh outside of all the craziness of the last week, is just how close the merge is. I know yeah. that we were just talking about, but like, come on, man! Like, it's May and we're expecting it in August. Like, it's it's so
0: close. That's like, it's three not months. Like, That's three, three months. months.
1: Exactly, exactly. Like, I I, I was just because like the shadow forks are going well. They announced the test net as I mentioned before the Robson test net fork um, on the call devs call today. Like, it's so goddamn close. Like, I I feel it. Like, I can I can see it. Like, it's. It's there. I just want to grab it and kind of like, yeah. So I'm, I'm just like, I am ecstatic. Like, I, I just, I can't believe that we're just like almost at the finish line after so, so long. And um, I don't think people realize how close it is. There are still people who think that it's not going to happen at all. Like, ah, what? Mm-hmm. Like, how yeah, does that you, even make any sense? Did you
0: see Corey clips, you know, Swan Bitcoin? It's like this Bitcoin yeah. neobank <laughs> savings only neobank. Uh, Corey Clipson, the yep. CEO, who I interviewed on POV crypto way back in the day. He was a nice guy because he had to put on the nice I'm a CEO face. Um, yep. but he tweeted out uh, something, something. Here's the secret that ETH Maxis don't want you to know. Ethereum is just a more convoluted, like ridiculous version of Terra. And like I read that tweet and it, it, it would have been one thing if it was like 10, 15, 20 likes, but it had like 2,500 likes. And I was looking at this tweet and I'm like, what do I do with this? Like, yeah. what, what, how do I even begin here? Because you can't fight that fight on Twitter. People that, 2,500 people liking a tweet that says Ethereum is just as convoluted, is more convoluted than Terra. Like, what are you going to do? You're going to fight that fight on Twitter? Are you serious? Mm-hmm. But like, mm-hmm. the information asymmetry is only getting worse. Here's Eric. I mean, oh. Doquan. Here's
1: Doquan. Uh, Doquan. <laughs> it's Doquan. <Kwan.
0: laughs> <laughs> What's up, man?
2: yeah what's up guys how's it how oh, you doing yeah
1: i think you're all the other mics uh not on i don't think it's your, your good mics uh, yeah, on. Yeah. here we go better. yeah better. there we go better. that's much, much better, better. <laughs>
0: eric connor's in the house man
1: dude uh so we're doing
0: a podcast you died with for david all as a guest <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah if you guys remember
2: anthony Ant and i used to do a podcast together like four years ago <laughs> <laughs> we might, yeah we, might we have be some, listeners have done one in like Four weeks now oh god we've got, to, we've got to
1: do it next week man like we've let it go on too long yeah i think we have some angry
2: listeners out there yeah 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 well maybe you guys um, can just that, do
0: it here huh yeah yeah yeah,
1: yeah, yeah. You know what I'm loving? I'm I'm loving the most lately. The like, your return to Twitter has just been, "Hey guys, I'm back. It's gone to 10k shit post, shit post, shit post, shit post. <laughs>
2: like it's just constant shit posting. It's just such a great return, man. I, yeah, I bet you're having fun, uh, right? <laughs> yeah, I'm loving it. Yeah, I mean, you guys know I love a good bear market. I'm not gonna shy away from that. So. <laughs> They, they the second I times. right exactly the second I saw some desperation on Twitter, I decided it was time to hop back. But it was a good hiatus. Dude, <laughs> you could just like, yeah, smell no one, the
0: blood in the air and just like I'm coming yeah, back. <laughs> yeah,
2: you, you had to. Yeah, I mean we need, we need some comedy out there during bear markets. So no one take my post too seriously these days. But you know, it's, I I do truly believe though that people are overreacting. Like I I just. I mean, yeah, I know we hit seventeen hundred or whatever, but we're still at like two k. Like eighteen months ago, we were all crying and we were at like eighty. So I don't know. <laughs> I'm, not, I'm not fully buying into the bear market stuff, but I mean, I know some people bought a lot higher than we're at. But no, it
0: was it was over two years ago. It was like two year four months or something. When was it last two years two two mm-hmm. months? Yeah, yeah.
2: Well, was, the the phase phase zero launched December of 2020. 2020. 20. Yeah. So. And that's right when Easter e started taking off. So yeah. Yeah, but, uh, yeah, Well, okay.
0: Yeah. 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 So, well, also we hit 2000, we hit like 1700 last May. Right. Uh, and so like, it's been one year since we've hit these prices.
1: It yeah. was the one year anniversary when we, cr- like May 12th was like the first big crash to 1700 and then we did it again. <laughs> it's like, the, like, it's so poetic how that happens. Like literally on the yeah. one year anniversary. Like, um, but yeah, no, I mean, I'm with Eric on that, like. I know it's easier for us to say since we bought ETH like at a lot a lot cheaper than what it is today but I don't know like I feel like people are acting like the world is ending like I mean guys if ETH goes down 94% again from its all-time high it's like 300 bucks <laughs> it does not yeah. happen like I, I, if that happens I feel like uh it, I mean I'd be panicking like pretty badly I'd be like in a corner being like what happened how did it all go wrong <laughs> <Like, laughs>
2: Sorry, yeah, Are you I, back I on Twitter
0: because you bought is that what happened
2: um you know I didn't do my typical like YOLO this is the bottom buy I was talking to Anthony a little bit yesterday I I I bought a few NFT dips mainly because I just see NFTs as like leveraged ETH um so and there were a couple of desperation plays out there I saw going on so you know I did deploy some capital but I haven't yet so that's the thing though like I don't make my like blood in the street's yellow ETH bottom buy slash calls unless like it's really blood in the street. And to me, 2000 is not blood in the street. What Anthony was just talking about is blood in the street. Like if we're (laughs) talking like three, four, 500 and people are like, you know, it's funny. People are just spoiled these days, right? Like 55% off the high, is not that bad. It's just not. Right, but does that mean we're going down more? Uh, I don't know. It's hard to say. I I don't think so. I, I think ETH is... You know, Bitcoin only went down, what, what was it, like 80% when ETH went down 94 or whatever last cycle. And I think every cycle, the big guys will go down less. I think ETH came out stronger out of all this drama. Of course, it's going to suck and like we're going to bounce around Chop City for a while. But I, I don't know. I, I think ETH max pain downs in like the 70s percentages but which will happen if the macro environment stays ugly that's one thing people need to remember right yeah, that's that's certainly true
0: but also at the same time we're seeing an acceleration of just like the biggest bear market signals as a result of this whole terra thing like funds are blowing up people are losing all their net worth like we're we're doing the suicide hotline thing on the pin <laughs> on top of subreddits like regulators regulators are coming in yeah. like these are all the same conversations and then and the happenings like uh, like right now, the the suicide hotline is con- like, contained into one ecosystem, but like dude, it was pinned across like, many, many ICOs, ma- like our cryptocurrency throughout all of 2018 and 2019. Uh, uh, and, like, and this is where funds would blow up on leverage over and over and over again. and so like, I'm wondering if we just like, brought some of the bear market pain forward a little bit because of this whole uh, Luna crash ecosystem thing. yeah, that's my take.
2: Yeah. I mean, I definitely agree with you. I think also like I had tweeted this the other day, but it seems like every freak out quote unquote bear market event to me is less and less systematically scary. Like for me, I've witnessed four big ones. Like Gox was the the first one for me. And like everyone thought that could be the end of Bitcoin. Then the Dow hack everybody thought was the end of Ethereum. Then we had like you know, Black Thursday where, oh, oh shit, did we scrub this whole DeFi thing <laughs> and like, you know, it, it all going to zero. And to me, like a Ponzi collapse thing. Yeah, I get it. People lost a lot of money. I, I mean, I feel bad about that, but like Ethereum itself is just not really affected by this. Like funds blowing up does not affect the future of Ethereum. Right. And that that wasn't the case in like past, you know, collapses that we've seen. Yeah, Yeah. Go for it, Anthony.
1: I think Yeah, I was going to say, I think the current debate right now, um, at least in my circles, is Was May 2021 the start of the bear market? Was November 2021 the start of the bear market? Because people are saying, oh, well, the new all-time high in November was just a dead cat bounce. Yeah, we went to new all-time high, but it was still technically, if you look at the chart, like a dead cat, right? And I can see both sides of this. So if you fall into like the May 2021 top camp, we've already been in a bear market for a year, right? But then if you fall into the November one, it's six months. I actually think the November one was driven by the macro environment going nuts, like its last hurrah before like all these um, Fed kind of rate rises and stuff. kind of started coming out right and and the really big inflation numbers um so i I don't know i don't know where i sit on that one i I, i'm leaning toward toward more towards may being that kind of like top because the thing is we blew off really fucking hard in may right within a week we went down from 4.4k to 1700 like that was a massive blow off top people got absolutely destroyed on leverage we had a huge volume candle like it was it was one of the biggest in history right so i think if you're depending on what camp you fall on is is kind of like uh it, it determines like how you feel about the current market like if we're going to stay at 1700 as the bottom or if we're going to go to max pain triple digits like that so i agree with eric that's like max blood in the streets you know i would pull out all the stops to buy as much as i could at that price point right um but like you know i don't have much ammo left at this point <laughs> just keep buying eth but prematurely some of those figurines yeah, 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 yeah. Max. <laughs> well, I'm not sure about the liquidity
0: on those markets
1: right now. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, 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 You might just start seeing the room get very bare and like uh, because uh, <laughs> the, the is in triple digits. But no, I think that's like, yeah, depending where you fall on, on that kind of like opinions uh, kind of um spectrum there is is how you're going to feel about the current kind of the market, I think.
0: Raul Paul, yeah. when we had our interview with him, gave a take that I, I think I'm leaning into, which is that uh, inflation came from asset price appreciation. All the people that had assets in the stock market and crypto assets started buying a bunch of houses and just like being super price insensitive. Uh, and like I, I heard some stat from some article, so of course it's true, uh, that one fifth of all mortgages in the United States in the year 2022 were came from crypto wealth or 2021 came from, from crypto wealth. Uh, so you know that like a lot of this asset depreciation is coming from just, or this inflation is coming from asset depreciation. So if you take that fact, mm-hmm. uh, the fucking the crash of the tech stocks, which were the big growers, and then the, the overall the crash of the market and the crypto market is just killing demand, right? And so the source of inflation came from asset price appreciation. And now that we're back to like pre-inflation levels, where, old, where old Paul thinks that uh, the inflation is already dead, but since CPI is the lagging indicator, the Fed can't mm-hmm. act on it uh, because they have to wait for the verifiable like numbers to show up saying, yo, inflation's actually dead, even though it's already been dead for months. Uh, and, like, one very small anecdote that I've been thinking about lately is I'm moving to Brooklyn. And so I, I bought a, a bunch of patio furniture coming to uh, San Diego to put on on the, like, my, my patio. Uh, and, like, relatively nice stuff. But, like, now I've got to sell it. And so I'm selling it one year use. And I have it like 50 to 70% off. And, like, it, they're not going. <laughs> I'm actually kind of stressed <laughs> by it. And <laughs> I don't know what to do with this shit. But, like, yo, like, one year old patio furniture, 5 to 50 to 70%. Uh, like, that, like, and no one's going for it. And so, like, Yo, demand's dead. Like, verifiable. Like, there's your data.
2: hmm yeah, yeah, yeah. Just one, one, one anecdote, but verifiable data point. Um, yeah, yeah. Don't get liquidated on your patio furniture. <laughs> <laughs> no, I, yeah, you know, no, I, I yeah, it's fine. Oh, go, yeah, go ahead. You go. Go No, ahead. no, you go, Eric. You go. Okay. Now, I was just going to say, like, when, like going back to the markets a little bit I, I think people are pointing to Luna as this collapse which obviously was a factor but it was like macro the stock market was getting ugly to begin with I think we were headed Generally in this direction, no matter what, and it just kind of accelerated. I mean, if you look at the S and P five hundred graph, they, they've had six straight weekly red candles, which is like pretty unheard of for the S and P five hundred, right? But one of the funny things, like, you know, you go mainstream and like Wall Street Journal, CNBC, they're all talking about the great crypto crash. Meanwhile, like if you look at some of the stocks year to date, like PayPal is down fifty percent year to date. Netflix is down. Meta is down forty. Like there are a lot of tech stocks down more than ETH is from, you know, over the last 12 months or whatever. So that's a, that's a new paradigm for sure. That used to not happen. And that's a, that spooks me a little bit on the macro side, but also maybe the selling's wearing out, you know, at the same time. A lot of those stocks also have wiped out like
1: their entire pandemic gains. Like they're back to March 2020 prices, basically, whereas ETH is still up like over 20x since its bottom back then, right? So just looking at it like that, I think is amazing because everyone's like, oh, you know, crypto is like super volatile, super risky stocks are like where you need to be. I mean, okay, a lot of the, the long tail of crypto assets definitely just gigareth, like they're down ninety plus percent, right? But like when I talk about crypto investing in it, I'm talking about like you know, ETH, right? At, at the end of the day. So I think when you look at it like that, ETH is faring, you know, amazingly, which is which is which is quite a, a cool thing. And something to keep in mind, I think, for people as well. Like if people were in other assets that got destroyed in crypto, like I'm sorry guys, but like that's just what happens every single time. Like you know, you're speculating on things that are inherently worthless a lot of the time. They got no value accrual at all, right? Right, they've got no value. Like valueless governance token. They're
0: just new too, and so yeah. like they're new people and get super scared. risky, new, right? New yeah. yeah,
1: exactly, super risky. And like a lot of them, also, what a lot of people forget is that they have early investors unlocking all the time. Right. And dumping like huge amounts of tokens onto the market and uh, liquidity mining programs, things like that. I mean, we all saw this play out already in DeFi summer, like we learned our lessons. And that's why I think, I don't know. I don't speak for you guys, but for myself, like I don't speculate on many of these tokens anymore. Like it's just, I know what ends up happening. They all have the same graph. Like it's just insane. Right. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah well i mean it's natural
0: for like the coin market cap or now coin gecko like the tokens the further down the the tokens are the more the capital flies up right it flies up mm-hmm. to, to the quality assets with the most liquidity that are the most stable uh but over like I, th- I think bitcoin and ether are down like the same percentage i think ether was down 65 and bitcoin was down 64 percent from the top uh, which is just fantastic in comparison mm. to last cycle, because I think they, it was, they're I down think about when, the
1: same right now. Though I think um,
2: they got a little bit wrecked on that sell-off there. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, but like th- I mean, th- the, ra- the, ratio, under- the ratio, the yeah. ratio, ratio charge is priming for mer- post-merge breakout. I mean, it's like perfectly lined for it. <laughs> I don't take
0: <laughs> opinionated positions very often. I usually just buy ETH, but I did put ETH into Compound, borrow Bitcoin, bought more ETH and put that back in the Compound to, to trade the merge. I did do that.
2: Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's it's coming. People are just sleeping. I mean, it's going on Robston, what, in a month or something like that? It was, they yeah, said on all core devs June today? 8, yeah. Like approximately, yeah. Yeah, yeah so about a month. I mean, it's going to catch people, I think, off guard just like Phase zero launch did just like one five five nine did. Most people, like, I don't think this stuff's priced in. I don't think the market's educated enough to really understand it. And I think the one thing that's really going to catch people off guard is what the staking yields are going to look like once you add in transaction mm-hmm. fees and MEV. What do you think that number is going to be? I, I've been estimating ballpark fifteen to twenty percent just mm, randomly, but
0: on that. I think consensus well, has settled around seven percent.
2: Well, it depends. Well, it's. It depends, right? Because I think, say we get up to 15%, people are going to flood it. So right. I, yeah. I like, I think equilibrium will probably end up settling around where you're saying, 7%, something like that. But early on, we might see, when, before people kind of catch on to what it is. But it, yeah, it's tough to say. I haven't done any real number crunching on it.
0: Yeah, the, the numbers that came out to like 13 to like 17% a while ago were based on two assumptions. Like that was during DeFi summer when there was like two to 400 per like day, uh, great right. prices. So a lot of just like transaction fees, but then all the that, that estimation also came from a 70-30 base fee tip split, uh, which was also hypothesized and then kind of was true a little bit, but then kind of it's dwindled to the new equilibrium now, which is 90 10 uh, and so, there's 90 percent of a transaction fee goes to the base fee, and only ten percent goes to the tips. Uh, and so, with right. the reduction of uh, the gray price for gas prices as well, like the the new like kind of consensus I've heard lately is like about seven percent post merge.
2: The one big thing I've I haven't seen good analysis around. I've asked on Twitter a little bit, and just haven't got there. Is what to expect on the MEV side. Like how much are miners truly pulling in on the MEV side right now? I don't know. It's hard to, I I saw a couple links and it just was kind of complex to go try to calculate.
0: My my gut take is that that gets you back up to like 13 to 15%. If you are the best MEV miner, I bet you get up to 13 to 15% again. You got to be doing some real shady shit. (laughs)
2: <laughs> well, I mean, tech, I just, people are just going to release open source software to just run as a, and you just basically take it, right? Kind of like flashbots. Yeah, I think that's right. Yeah. Well, There's yeah. also
0: the dynamic that MEV actually doesn't stay in the layer one and the layer one actually stays like relatively efficient with ar- arbitrage. But the mm-hmm. MEV actually moves up to the layer twos where there's a lot more transaction mm-hmm. volume and a lot of transaction demand. That's, I think Hazu gave that take. Uh, where, where or no, it's actually it's actually Kyle Samani gave that take uh, where uh, uh, layer twos uh, eat up all the MEV, uh, which I mean he, that, his claim was that it's bearish for the layer one, which I don't agree with at all. Uh, but I actually just think that's especially bullish for layer twos, though.
2: Fun fact: that was Optimism's initial profitability plan was just take all the MEV themselves and right. be profitable well, <laughs> before I they. Mean, I think went that's
0: down. that's become like the new table stakes for all layer twos: is that you generate. Revenue from the layer two, but I think Optimism very quickly realized that, like, oh well, if we want to beat other layer twos, we have to basically uh, incur all of this revenue into public goods uh, because that makes that starts the feedback loop, right? And so, like, that was them going through their thinking process of the whole thing. Anyways, I, I think, um,
1: yeah, no, I think the the layer two thing, uh, like, it's it's right, like they're going to be the the transactional layers, right? So they're going to generate so much of this kind of like fee revenue and MEV and stuff and and I think a token in that sense makes sense because the token will be staked or or something like that. And people run validators and and sequences and things like that and earn and earn, earn fees like that. But the thing is is that and the point that samani gets wrong here is that these layer twos have to pay ethereum layer one like in in eth right and that ETH, most of it gets burned so it doesn't take away from the and eth is also the unit of account and like the money of these layer twos like it's not the native token of these layer 2s isn't going to be the fee token for, for 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 pretty much any of them i know people point to matic as being the fee token of the polygon pos chain but that was just like a byproduct of of an old kind of design and the pos chain is is, is obviously not a layer two so I think for their layer twos, they just just use ETH, right? And Matic will be the staking token, things like that. So same is true for pretty much all the layer two tokens, I, I think there. But yeah, I think the post merge staking yields is yeah hard to calculate because of the MEV component and how that's all going to shake out. Uh, but yeah, we could see 10 plus percent just, just based on that. And then as Eric said, we're going to see a flood of ETH come in like staking because 10 plus percent near risk-free yield pretty much risk-free yield on, on ETH. Like, come on. Like, I mean, you know, I, there's going to be a flood of, of, of kind of like people coming in for that. I think,
0: I think, uh, the last topic perhaps to talk about before we wrap things up here is how to get exposure to the merge that isn't with ether. Uh, so there's, like, uh, Layer 2 tokens, like Matic. There's two tokens on Layer 2s, like the Lyra token or the Magic token. Uh, and then there's, uh, you know, trying to farm airdrops themselves. Uh, there's Lido and Rocket Pool. Uh, do you guys have any, like, thoughts on, on how to gain exposure to the merge without just, like, buying Ether? The obvious thing. Eric, you,
1: you go. You probably have different things um, to me.
2: Uh, yeah, I, I would say, personally, I would make plays on the infrastructure side of things. So I, I think right now, it's still a little complex for people to enter, whether it's like Coinbase or running their own node. Or like Coinbase isn't complex, but people don't want to put it on Coinbase. And I think people are really yet to hear about say like a rocket pool i'll just use rocket pool as an example i'm not like promoting them or whatever and just i own zero rpl tokens so i have no incentive in saying this but i think people are kind of waiting for the merge to happen that's going to be like a huge news event and people are going to flood in because of the yields and stuff and you know rocket pool has been building for years and all of a sudden people are going to say hey either i don't have 32 eth which is very understandable or hey i don't want to like worry about running this node infrastructure myself and i think we're going to see a big push of ETH and users and popularity into a rocket pool or other infrastructure type plays that just make this easier for people, right? Because like, look, I'm running my own ETH. To ETH2 two phase zero nodes, but shit's complex. Like it is not easy. Like if my machine blows up, I look, I got my private key somewhere, but recreating what I did, you know, 16 months ago is not the <laughs> easiest thing in the world. And so I think that'll get better, but most people are going to want to just kick, click a couple buttons, um, you know, via their MetaMask hardware wallet, whatever, and just stake and be done. So I, I think the popularity there is going to rise. I think about you. Yeah. <laughs> look,
1: it's kind of like hard for me to say with respect to the tokens themselves, like LDO and RPL and things like that. Like I do hold some of those. So just like, but they're not like a huge part of my portfolio, but, I think ETH is just such a easy thing to bet on, and such a like uh, I guess shelling point, not just for people within crypto as kind of like a bet on the merge and on staking in general, but outside of crypto. Like the the big money outside of crypto is not going to be buying these staking tokens. They're going to be buying ETH if they buy anything, right? Is your answer so- ETH after I told you it couldn't be ETH? <laughs> yeah, well, no, I'm getting I'm getting to my answer. W- wrap, to it's my wrap, answer. Wrapped, it's wrapped, ETH. wrapped ETH. Yeah, yeah, it's it's, it's wrapped ETH. Yeah, <laughs> I'm getting I'm getting to my answer. I um I think that when looking at tokens, it doesn't matter if it's a staking token or a defi token or whatever, you can't just look at like the narrative as, as anything more than a trade. Like maybe these things will pump into the merge on the narrative, but then they're probably just going to bleed out like if they do that, right? You can't... So when investing in, in tokens, um, you, you can't just look at one thing and be like, oh, I'm going to hold this thing for three years because it's a merge narrative. Like, no, <laughs> you have to look at, you know, what's the distribution, what's the supply like, how much more tokens are coming to market, what's the value accrual, all that sorts of stuff. You can't just... To base a long-term investment on a narrative that's going to play out over a few months right so i think from that perspective like i'm just going to give as my answer i don't care if you said i can't give ETH. i'm giving ETH as my answer like that's my answer that's my final answer lock it in <laughs> that's it so that's my my view on, on betting on tokens basically
0: oh, all right guys eric thanks for coming into the stream man it's good to see you yeah for sure
2: thanks for the invite this is my my first comeback in a while on on any kind of podcast or video chat. We we, we need to do the ether podcast next week, man. We've been yeah, leaving we should, them hanging for too long. We should probably get back on that. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. yeah. Let's, I, I let's wonder who's let's...
0: not doing that.
1: <laughs> <laughs>
2: <Yeah>. <laughs> no, let's let's book it in. We're good. We're good. Um...
1: Yeah. Right. yeah cool all right guys all good, right, good guys. stuff
0: cool thanks for stopping by yeah. eric uh for yeah. the the youtube listeners uh you guys know what to do like and subscribe and all that stuff here is anthony's uh, daily <laughs> eric was like i'm out here's anthony's <laughs> daily <laughs> <great gone>. YouTube, <laughs> youtube link to subscribe to that if you guys don't follow him so thank you everyone for tuning into this semi-regular friday bakeless daily web live stream we'll see you next time we do it bye anthony
1: thanks everyone bye everyone